Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys doing? Fantastic. I want to say a huge shout out to all those people in the room. For those people who are watching online, wherever you are at in the world, we want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. I want to give a big shout out to Matthew, uh, who actually runs our online campus. And uh, if you get a chance to see Matt Tate, uh, make sure to give him a hug and say thank you so much for, for doing that. Uh, we do prayer requests and all that stuff. We do conversations online during the sermon, during the worship. And uh, we try very, very hard because we know a lot of people uh, actually come in and tune in every week uh, from those who PCS are all over the United States or for those that are all over the world. We want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. I want to give two uh, shout-outs as well to two groups of people. Uh, if you're a first-time guest here, we want to say welcome. Can we all clap it up and give it up for our first-time guests? Guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we know that there's a lot of places you could have been, but you chose to hang out with us, and we want to say thank you so much for that, as well as our VIPs. Our volunteers are very, very important here at OneChurch.tv, so if we could, let's just thank our volunteers right now. Thank you guys very, very much. Whether or not you're, uh, you're holding a baby or you're running a camera uh, or um, whatever you do, we want to say thank you so much for uh, being here. Uh, today, we're going to be going back with just a, with a quick a brief uh, look at what bold is, because about a year ago this week, we started bold. In fact, it was actually, we actually started on Easter Sunday last year. And again, if this is kind of new to you, and if you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm going to let you know what we're talking about, because bold is a new move. It's a new initiative that God laid on the leadership here at OneChurch.tv about a year ago. And um, uh, we wanted to uh, pray bold prayers because we know that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. And uh, kind of our bold prayer for us as a church over the next one, three, five, and even ten years are pretty big, audacious goals. And I want to share with you just briefly about that. I pretty much have two things I want to accomplish over the next three weeks. I want to look at one person in the Bible in particular that I've just been reading. Uh, I try to read the Bible every day, and as I've been reading uh, in my quiet times, uh, this guy's just been kicking the slats out of my life. And uh, I'm just loving his story. I'm loving his life. So I want to kind of introduce you to a guy in the Old Testament that we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks. But I also want to share with you just how close we are to some of our bold goals that God has given us a few years ago. So let me just kind of tell briefly uh, what bold is at. And again, if this is your first time, maybe your second time, you're hanging out with us. Again, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, we want to say this, that um, we have a, a couple of bold goals that we want to share with you. The first one is that we want to secure a permanent location. We want to secure a permanent location. One of the things that we have found over being a church over the past uh, uh, eight years, we actually started back in 2007, and we started at the movie theater. And um, we uh, were all about, let's don't do buildings, let's don't do buildings, let's kind of use other buildings that, uh, are, being o- that are open during the, during the year, especially on Sunday mornings, so that we don't have to do all of this stuff. Because again, I don't know what church background you came from, but the church that I grew up in, uh, there's just all kinds of buildings. And I'm just like, let's see if we can get away from that and let's make people the focus. And as we've been doing this over the past eight years, one of the things that we've learned is uh, we want to continue making people the focus. But there's a lot of things that we could be doing that we just can't because we're not in a secure permanent location. Uh, we're, we're doing, we do portable church. Uh, we get here at 515 in the morning and we set everything up and then we do church or we do two services and then we tear everything down and we usually go home around 1, 130. 
And um, we've been doing that for the past eight years. And we've realized that um, if we want to continue to do ministry well and continue on raising the bar, uh, then we have to make some changes. So we believe a secure, permanent location is going to help us out in a lot of that. And again, if this is your first time with us today, we have some information about bold, the things that we're wanting, uh, that God has led us to our hearts to start building. But we've never set out to be a megachurch. Uh, we're not trying to be six flags over Jesus. Uh, in fact, the building that, uh, that we are building, that the architect drew up for us, uh, is actually a, has a smaller worship center than what we have in here. Uh, because our goal is not to be a megachurch. We want to create churches that unchurched people love to attend. And that means we want to be able to create smaller locations that, uh, that we just don't have wasted space all throughout the week. And the reason why we want to do it a little bit smaller as well is because, and it leads us to our second bold goal, and it's simply this, that we want to create more churches. We want to start more churches here in Clarksville, um, Montgomery County, Tennessee. We want to start a one church uh, here. And one of the things that we've realized with that 88% of people don't go to, don't go to church anywhere that we can't do a huge location and expect everybody to come to us. That we have to plant churches and actually go to them. So um, our bold, audacious goal within five years is we want to start another church uh, that has its own staff, has its own leadership that's under onechurch.tv, um, but it's not just me speaking through video at both locations. Uh, we don't want to do anything like that. That's not what God has called us to do. We want to raise up teachers and teaching pastors so that we can be able to do that. So uh, that that's kind of our goal. That's where we're going. And then what's so cool about this in 10 years, we want to start a church where the majority of our army folk PCS too. Again, if you're new to onechurch.tv, you don't know this, but a lot of our other people do, that 85% of our church is made up of military. And which means about every year, about 40% of our church gets moved to another location. So, and many times they move to another location and they don't have a church like onechurch.tv. They look and they look and they look. In fact, I'm going to be sharing with you today some stories that people that are watching right now, whether they're in San Antonio or Washington, D.C. or even Washington State, people, literally, they leave one church and they go all over the United States and they try to connect and they try to do small groups. And some of them, you're going to be doing small groups around what we're teaching in their homes in Washington State. And that's cool. But we want to be able to start more churches where unchurched people love to attend. So those are our bold moves. We want to, uh, we want to find a secure location and we want to be able to uh, we want to be able to launch more churches and church people love to attend. So, over the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And uh, whether or not you know you're behind our vision or our dream or anything like that, that's cool because I really pray that as we open up God's Word today, that you are challenged. That all of us are challenged to be able to take hold of the promises that God has for us. Because what I believe, what I believe for all of us in this series is entitled "Take the Land." That I believe that God gives us promises that you know what He wants to give us, but we're not going to get unless we show up and we actually fight for them. That we show up in faith and we're expectant that God is going to do some things in our community, in our homes, even in our own personal lives. That we're going to have to get up off the bench and we're going to have to start interacting with God's promises. So let me give you some context before we dive right in. And then like I said at the end, I'm going to share with you just how close we are with some of our bold goals. Um, uh, we're 400 years 
of context. 400 years, the past 400 years, God's people, the Israelites, have been in bondage. They've been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. Now, let me just give you some perspective on that. That is six to seven generations. How many of you, you know the name of your great, 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 great grandfather? Anyone? Probably not, unless you're, you know, Luther Ramsey Seventh, right? Just, you're not going to know that, because nobody knows our great, 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 great grandfather. You just don't. But you see, for those six to seven generations, God's people, the Israelites, have been living in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And that's all they knew. All they knew was making bricks out of mud, making these bricks out of mud. And all of that changed when God broke the heart of a man by the name of Moses. Now, God heard the cries of his people, so he sent Moses to speak on God's behalf to Pharaoh. And Moses showed up to Pharaoh. Anybody know what Moses said? Let my people go. Some of y'all know it, right? Um, in fact, some of y'all, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people go. Ooh, I'm going to do a pelvic thrust, but I'm not going to be Elvis. Anyway, my point is, Moses showed up and said, you need, you need to let God's people go. You need to let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, uh-uh, not going to do it. And after a, a series of plagues, 10 plagues to be exact, Pharaoh finally gives in and says, okay, fine. You and your people, you can leave. And that's exactly what happened. They exited out of Egypt, and you can read about that in the book of Exodus. So these two million Jews, the two million million Israelites, leave Egypt, and they're moving towards, they're moving east towards uh, the Red Sea. And uh, everything was good until some of Pharaoh's officials says, "Uh, who's going to like start making the bricks now? Is that going to be you, Pharaoh? And Pharaoh's like, oh, no, I don't think so. We better go get them. So that's exactly what they did. They actually pursued the Israelites and until they found them at the Red Sea. So the Israelites are trapped with the enemy at their backs and a huge body of water up front. And it's that moment where Moses took the rod of God and he, and he started praying. And God says, you need to stop praying. It's one of the only times in the Bible that God says, you need to stop praying right? He says, you need to get up and you need to act. And that's exactly what he did. And God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. And then the Egyptians followed and then God smashed them uh, with their sea. They died. And the Israelites are free and clear. They're free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, they're free at last. So now they are making a trip to the promised land. And uh, it's in this trip um, that we're going to be learning about uh, all of these things about Joshua coming up. But what's so amazing about this is what should have taken 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land took 40 years. 40 years. And the reason why it took so long is because they became afraid. They became afraid. Because there were giants in the land. And even though God says, I'm going to give you this land, I want you to have faith in God, I'm giving you this land that I'm promising you, and they call it the promised land. Even though God is going to give it, it still requires them showing up in faith, willing to fight for it. And they weren't willing to fight. They were more willing to be afraid. So for 40 years, God says, fine, until the older generation dies out, 
no one's going to enter into the land. So what should have taken 11 days took 40 years. And for the next 40 years, Moses did funerals for about 2 million people. So everybody's dying. He's doing funerals until at the end of Moses' life. We read this in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5. It says this. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, what happened? He died. He died there in the land of Moab. By the way, that's not the promised land, just as the Lord had said. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. So Moses has been the established leader every day since they left Egypt for the past 40 years. Moses had been their hope for the future. But now Moses is gone. And when he dies, so does a big chunk of their hopes and their dreams. Now remember, all of this, even Moses' death, is just a smaller part of a bigger story of God delivering his people to the promised land, the land that he had promised them. But what does this, you may think, what does this have to do with you and me, Chris? Because we're not the Israelites, and God has not promised us the land. But I do believe that taking hold of the promised land was symbolic of taking hold of the promises of God. And even though we don't have a land promised to us, we have promise after promise after promise in the scriptures given to us that I believe that each one of us, that God has a next for us. For some of you, God's next for you is you becoming a better husband, a more godly husband that honors his wife and that honors God in your relationship. For some of you, your next might be becoming a better son or a better daughter, maybe even becoming a better student. Because where God has called you now, right now, is that you are to be studying. But you're not really doing that because you're doing a lot of other different things. I think for us as a church, God definitely has a next for us. That there are some promises, there are promises in God's word for us that we're going to have to take hold of. But it's going to require us to show up each day in faith. To believe him and to take him at his word. To fight to take hold of all that he's got for you and me. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we take the land? How do we take hold of the promises that God has for us? A few things I want to show you, but the first one is this. We, have to, we can take the land when I allow good dreams to die so that God's dreams can flourish. Here's what I know about you and about me. You have some good dreams. You do. You have some good dreams of how you want your business to work out, how you want your family to work out, maybe how you want your personal life, your private life, your career life, how your trajectory, you want it to go up and to the right. I know that. All of us want that. But many times we have to allow good dreams to die so that God's dreams can flourish. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8. Moses' loss caused such great anguish from one end of the Hebrew camp to the other, that here's what Scripture says. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for how long? 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over, now Joshua. Before Joshua steps onto the scene, before something is birthed and something new comes to life, something else has to die. Moses and Joshua both represent two different paradigms of leadership, two different directions. It was Moses that took God's people out of bondage. But it was, going to be a, it was going to take a different type of leader with a different type of leadership skills in different directions to get actually some, the, the Israelites into the land that God had promised them. Moses had to die 
before Joshua could become a leader. And the people of Israel mourned, get this, for 30 days. Now, this may seem like kind of a bit of just a random information, but you need to know this. It's not. In the Old Testament, the traditional time for mourning was just seven days. But Moses' death was no ordinary event. Mourning him was no ordinary event either because he was no ordinary leader. He was God's chosen, that God called him and, and spoke to him from a burning bush. He gave him directions for the journey. He was the mediator between God and God's people. In fact, this is what's so interesting. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Moses was the most humble person who ever lived. He put other people's, the other two million people's needs before his own. And we read about that in, in Exodus 17 and Exodus 18. And again, God used this miracle worker called Moses. They had felt safe following him all of those years, but now he's gone. Major loss take time to get over. They take time to get over. And I've shared with you some of our struggles recently. Kim has lost both of her parents in just less than a six-month time frame. And it's just left us reeling as a family. Not just me and Kim personally and our children, but even my parents. It's just, it's got us thinking about all kinds of stuff that we just, we, you don't want to think about. And you feel like you shouldn't have to think about it, but you do. Because we're not promised another day, another moment, another breath of air. Major losses take time to get over. And in order to, for Israel to enter into the promised land and into the promises that God has for them, Moses had to die, and a new leader, Joshua, had to take over. Now, sometimes if we're going to get into the promises that God has for us, good things have to die so that God's, God's ideas can flourish. That's just how it is. I know this. When one church launched back in 2007, we started meeting in a movie theater here at Exit 1. We rented the theater we met in, and then we had to rent office space from Bill Mace on Canelo Drive. And after that first year at the movie theater, we moved into the school. We've been in this school now for seven years at Northeast High School. We've been renting it. We spend about a little over 40000 sometimes $45,000 a year on rent here at the school, just at the school alone. That doesn't include the office space that we rent. Our offices moved from Canelo Drive to the Tiny Town where we were there for five years. And then we left Tiny Town and we went to Trenton Road because we got a bigger space for cheaper. And now, get this, over the past eight years, we've spent $700,000 on a rented space. And we've got nothing to show for it. And we, here's the thing, and you can ask our staff and a lot of our, our leaders here, we, we do portable church, and I've got to be honest with you, we do it well. We have gotten out the kinks. We've got stuff on rollers that are painted that we can just push out and plug in. We do it. I mean, it's taken us years to perfect this, but this is now what we know, and it's what we're good at. But guess what? Sometimes good things have to die so that God's things can flourish. Us being portable at Northeast High School is coming to a close. We, know, we knew that us meeting in churches were going to be a temporary thing meeting at the school. But just like Moses to Joshua, we can't stay here forever. Because there is pressure for, to get all churches out of the school system and out of schools. So we've already been making plans. This is not a surprise to us. We have some plans in place. So if they said tomorrow you couldn't meet here, we've got, we've got a plan. And it's a real good one. I'm going to share with you soon. Not today. <clears throat> but you need to know this. Our leaders, our elders, our staff, we, we, uh, that God has given us. He's told, here's what, I love what Proverbs says. 
Plans fail because of lack of counselors. Um, and, and that's exactly right. So it's one of those things that, uh, and I love this one in Proverbs. This is not my notes, but uh, men plan, but the final outcome is in God's hands. I like that. It means you should plan. You should plan for your business. You should plan for your Disney trip. You should plan for your family. But at the end of the day, God can call an audible. And you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're okay with it or not. God's God, right? I'm just telling you, all right? So Moses died in Moab, not in the promised land, all right? And, and, and what's amazing is they stayed there for 30 days before they crossed over into the promised land. And just like the Israelites, we can't stay here. We need to be bold and enter into the land that God has given us as a church. So Moses dies. God calls the new leader. God appoints a man who had been present in Egypt to, and, and seen how God has delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. A man who was present all throughout the wanderings in the wilderness, who has seen God's daily provision. And this new leader steps up to the plate to lead them and to take all the land that God has promised him. Let's look at what Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. By the way, that, that means it's like mom or dad was Nun, N-U-N. All right, so maybe with the habit, you know. Anyway, moving forward. <coughs> Moses, but look at this, next one. Moses' assistant. Can you say Moses' assistant? Let me hear you. So what was Joshua's job? He was exactly right. Now, how do you take the land? Well, first, we have to allow good dreams to die so that God's dreams can flourish. But secondly, we have to see every day as preparation. In fact, let's go back to that. If you would highlight this part right there. That after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. That's what's so interesting. This was a pivotal point in the point of Joshua and God's people. But listen to this. What we fail to see in Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 is that this conversation would not have happened. There would be no Joshua chapter 1 had not Joshua faithfully served as Moses' number 2 for 40 years. 40 years as Moses' assistant. That's 14,600 days as the number 2 guy. Not the guy in front of people, not the guy casting the vision, not the guy who's the quarterback on the team, not the man or woman calling the shots, not the CEO, but somebody who was the number two. How many of y'all, you've been alive for 40 years? Let me see you. Some of you ladies aren't raising your hand, but I know you're lying. It's all right. All right. Can you imagine walking with the same person, a good friend, for 40 years, assisting them, serving them. Hey, would you carry this for me? Can you walk me up the mountain? And when you want to feel like, hey, won't you walk yourself up the mountain, right? Joshua never did that. He never did it. How many of y'all, you've been married in here like 40 years or above? Let me see you. All right, is there anyone? I don't see anyone, all right? Oh, there's some in the back. My mom's waving at me. So... Hey, Mom, how you doing? Anyway, I mean, th that's just cool. 40 years with Bob Edmondson. Dear God, let's give it up. <clears throat> that woman needs some prayer. You see, here's the thing. Kim and I, we've been married, going to be 23 years this year. And let me tell you, uh, for the past 23 years, Kim has asked me to put up my shoes 
when I get in the house. Now, I don't like shoes. I, I'm, I'm still wearing my shoes this morning. I normally kick them off, right? I don't like shoes. When I get in the door, the shoes come off. In fact, I have been over people's house, left my shoes at their home, got home, and like, where are my shoes at? I, I, can't, I can't even make this up. All right, I got small group tonight. My flippy floppies are going to be at Bob and Larry Key's house tonight. I just know where they are, right? Because here's the thing. Now, my wife, she has three boys, right? And the reason why she, we have three boys is because she couldn't keep her hands off of me. <laughs> and she's not here. All right, anyway, she's coming at 11 o'clock. But you know what? With three boys and me with four, there, that means there's, there's four pairs, eight shoes everywhere all over the house. That she's always telling us, you know, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. And after a while, she doesn't even say it anymore. You know what? I've kind of worn her down, and my three boys have kind of worn her down, where she just does it herself. Now, you're thinking, you've got to do a better job, Pastor. You're exactly right, but you got your mess too, right? I can talk to your spouse right now, right? And your spouse would be giving me the Z-snap. Here's what she does or he does, right? But see, here's my point. Here's my point, is for the past 40 years, Joshua saw Moses not put his shoes away. Every quirky personality trait with Moses, every characteristic, everything that Moses would just leave out. You know, God gave him the Ten Commandments, but he would never put them back in the Ark of the Covenant. He would kind of lay them out everywhere, and Joshua had to pick them up. i got to keep on picking up out of the Ten Commandments after you, right? My point is, Moses wasn't perfect. All those weird ways that Moses would respond, Joshua faithfully served. God had an incredible vision for Joshua's life, but it took him 40 years to prepare for it. How many of y'all know that oftentimes prep time feels like wasted time? Anyone? How many of you ever tried, like, uh, painting a room? Anyone? You know, you want to you paint a room, right? And you're like, well, I cannot just get to paint get me a roller, and just start going to town. No, sir, you can't, because you got to get a drop cloth, because if you don't, when you go like this, there's all those little splatters. It just happens, right? And then you got like, you, then you got to start getting a blue tape, and you got to paint. I mean, do I really need to be able to put in and, like, do the paint for the windows? I mean, do I got to do I, do I, do I, do I tape that? And do I really need to tape the baseboards? I mean, come on. Can I just cut in? And let me tell you, duct tape don't work. Ask me if I know. It don't work the same. She don't work the same. And then, once you get everything taped, you get the drop cloth down, then you got to prime it. Am I getting punked? Where's Ashton Kutcher? I got to paint the room before I can paint the room? Somebody shoot me, right? I mean, seriously. But you got to do all of this prep work. Because if you don't, you're going, to be, be, you're going to be sorry about it. Sometimes prep work, prep time, feels like wasted time. Some of you who you used to do athletics, some of you, you were, you were football stars in your own mind, right? And, and, and you were in high school and you had to watch all of that tape. And you had to practice your swing in baseball. And you had to just develop all this muscle memory over and over and over and over, wondering, will there be any payoff to this? I get it. Sometimes prep time feels like wasted time. But let me tell you, here's what our big idea says today. Wait for it. This is what it says. The now is preparation for the next. 
The now is preparation for the next. Can you say that with me? The now is preparation for the next. One more time. The now is preparation for the next. I'm gonna, one more time, because I'm going to ask you, because listen, this is, I only preach one-point messages. If you don't get the one point, what's the point, right? Here's the point. The now is preparation for the next. That's true. You see, that was true in Joshua's life. The now that he was experiencing in Joshua chapter 1, the reason why he had that is because there was a past where he was faithful in the now. He was faithful in the now. The now is preparation for the next, that God won't give you what's next until you're faithful with what's now. Come on, now to preach. That the reason why we read God calling Joshua in Joshua 1 is because Joshua had been faithful for 40 years as Moses' number two man. This is what the conversation that God had with Joshua. This is what it says. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come. Everybody said the time has come. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. The now is preparation for the next. Joshua had been following Moses around, learning from him, being mentored by Moses, standing in Moses' long, tall shadow. We don't see him getting bitter, though. We see him getting better. Faithfully serving with an attitude of just showing up every day to see what Moses had for him. What made Joshua such a good leader was that he learned to be a good follower. And let me say this. You cannot be a good leader if you're not willing to follow. I learned that the hard way. I remember going to some of these churches that, I, I, you know, I was employed by the church. And I'm like, if I wasn't employed by this church, I wouldn't go here. Mm. Right? And I definitely wouldn't follow the pastor here. And I was the youth pastor. And I just thought, man, if I ever got the shot. I mean, I, and I would complain and all that until God it just kind of crushed me and said, you know what? This isn't about you. This is about you being willing to follow. Because let me tell you, you cannot lead unless you're willing to follow. Joshua is willing to follow Moses. And the very first time we see Joshua's name shows up, God is preparing him. God is preparing him because the now is in preparation for the next, for this conversation in Joshua 1. Let me give you the, 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 the context, and we're going to see it in Exodus chapter 17. The nation of Israel is battling uh, the Amalekites, the enemy here. And God told Moses, I want you to send Joshua into battle. But while he's battling down in the valley, I want you, Moses, I want you to go up on the hill. And I want you to raise your staff, raise your hands. And as long as your arms are up, God's people, the Israelites, are going to be winning. So that's what Moses did. Moses went up there, and that was good. But uh, after a while, the CrossFit wore off. And he was like, my arms are getting tired, right? So he, uh, he, his arms started dropping, and then God's people, the Israelites, started losing. So uh, um, a couple of Moses' buddies, Aaron and Hur, went up and kind of held up his arms. And while they were holding up Moses' arms, all the while Joshua was fighting the Amalekites in the valley. Joshua is available. He's never fought anyone before because all he knows is Egypt, bondage in Egypt. Joshua is available, though. God is faithful. God gives victory. Joshua is available. God is faithful, God gives victory. And we see that pattern repeat over and over and over and over again in Joshua's life. That Joshua is available, 
God is faithful, and God gives the victory. And we see God come through in the book of Joshua and in his life in some amazing ways. After the battle, listen to this, God speaks to Moses, and this is what God says to Moses. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, look at this, write this down on a scroll as a what? Permanent reminder, and read it aloud to who? Joshua, I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Why would God tell Moses to make sure Joshua heard it? Because he was in a season of preparation. He wanted to make sure that Joshua knew, if you will be strong and courageous, if you will respond to obedience and what I've called you to do, then not only you're not only going to win some battles, but I'm going to blot out the names of your enemies from the earth. How many of y'all in here name Amalek? No one. My point. Anybody in here named Joshua? I'm sure there's a few people, right? God was preparing Joshua from day one, showing that he could do immeasurably more than he ever hope or ask for or imagined. So if Joshua would move forward in faith, if Joshua would just take God at his word. Another example is in Exodus chapter 24. Right after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, God told Moses, I want you to go up on the Mount Sinai, and I'm going to give you this new covenant, the Ten Commandments given to you. And he made a very specific, <coughs> a very specific uh, command to all of the people. He says this in verse 17. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. A consuming fire. This incredible interaction with God. And, and it's, it's like God told, uh, told everybody, listen, nope, don't have anybody on the mountain because they're going to die. Don't, don't, uh, don't have any animals or cattle or anything like that on the mountain because they will die. No, only body can approach me is Moses. And look at what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instruction and the commands so that you can teach the people. Now look at this. So Moses and his assistant, Joshua, set out. And Moses climbed up. The mountain of God. How many of you know when you're in a season of preparation that humbling yourself and staying close to the leader will allow you to see some things? Allow you to experience some things that you never would have had you been cocky or confident or arrogant. God was preparing Joshua for this moment. Let me give you another one. Exodus 33. The nation of Israel, they're doing portable church just like us. They're setting up and tearing down, setting up and tearing down. They have this tent where they do church at, right? And they had to set up the tent, tear it down. Set it up, tear it down, right? Moses would meet with God in this tent and listen to what it says. Exodus thirty-three, eleven. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one just speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, would remain behind. In the tent of meeting. You see, Joshua just said, I'm just going to hang out in God's presence. Even if Moses leaves, I'm going to hang out where God's at. And for 40 years, Moses was able to go before God and plead for his people like a friend, like a, as you speak to somebody face to face. And God would speak to Moses, but when Moses left, Joshua stayed behind in God's presence. And I believe with Joshua... Familiarity with the Word of God brought about confidence in the Word of God. God was preparing Joshua. He was. 
Prep time is not wasted time. Showing him that when I call you to lead, if I give you the information and the instruction in order to lead my people, you ain't got to worry about inventing it. All you got to do is you got to be close to me and I will give it to you. You don't have to have the words. I will give you the words. You just need to stay close to me. And over and over and over and over again, God is preparing Joshua for his life. Let me give you just a quick timeline of Joshua's life. Joshua's life. The first 20 years, he spent in Egypt as a slave. All right? Then he gets out of Egypt, and for the next 40 years, he is Moses' assistant. And when Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 happens, God calls him. By the way, how old is he now? Good. He's 60 years old. He's 60 years old now. Some of you, if you're 60 in here, <clears throat> some of you are just like, man, I just can't wait. I can't wait till I leave Tennessee. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to become a snowbird. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with retiring from a job. But let me just warn you right now. There is no retiring from God's job. There is no retiring from serving other people. You just don't retire being used by God. God is preparing Joshua. And the Bible says this about you and me. We are created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, here's the thing about you and I, what you need to know, is that God is preparing some things for us to do. How might God be preparing you? What season of preparation are you in? Do you sense God preparing you for far something more, stepping into something new? You know, where we're at as a church, God is leading us and preparing for us in a new direction. For some of you, you've never been a part of something from the ground up, something that can really make a difference. For those of you that grew up in church, you've stepped in the legacy of other people, and maybe you grew up in a traditional church and they showed up, and you know, they had the pews with the people's names on the back, you know what I'm talking about, all right? And, um, but, and, and even though that may be a little weird, that in a lot of ways is saying, the reason why you're able to sit here is because somebody else, they were willing to take a chance. They're willing to have faith. I promise you right now, we're going to have no placards on any pews, all right? Because we ain't going to have no pews. Just telling you, all right? Some of you, if you're from church, you don't even know anything about church. When I say pew, you think stank. You don't even know what I'm talking about, all right? My point is this. <laughs> it does have a point, I promise. All right? My point is this. God is calling us in, in, into some new directions. He's making some things uncomfortable for us so that we just can't stay here. We have to move. And my challenge, I'm just going to go ahead and give it, as we kind of go through the next three weeks of this, you've got two options. You can, you've got two choices. You can check out or you can step up. You can check out or you can step up. I remember hearing Andy Stanley once say the story of how um, when North Point Community Church in Georgia was getting built, and, and some people really close to him said, hey, Andy, when the church gets up and running, you get your building built and all this stuff, we'll be back. But until then, you know, we're going we're gonna to head out. And Andy said to these people, you know, why bother? Right? Um, and I just thought, well, I can't believe people would do that. But I've got to be honest with you. I've experienced that even with us in Bold. A couple of months ago, I had a good friend of mine kind of say the same thing. And I didn't say anything to him, but I was just like, man, I, I, w- I wish you wouldn't check out. I wish you would step up. Why? Because the now is preparation for the next. God won't give you what's next until we're faithful with what's now. That you and I, 
we have the opportunity, even the responsibility, of affecting literally hundreds of thousands of lives, not just here in Clarksville, but around the world. You know, since we've started now, 8,500 people have come through the doors at OneChurch.tv. We have seen over 1,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. We have seen now 446 people get baptized. And we've seen all of this life change takes place. But when you look around, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I know them, or maybe I don't know them. But let me give you some stories. Let me share with you a story of a guy that I know who reached out to me this past week. Here he is. His name is Anthony Lalonde. Anthony and Laura Lalonde. Anthony and Laura, of course, he's in the military. They PCS'd recently, about a year ago, um, to San Antonio. And him and Laura were faithful folks here at OneChurch.tv. And get this, he still gets our emails. In fact, he responded back to an email I sent about Easter last week. Uh, let me tell you, and he said this on the email. He says, by the way, we're coming back to Kentucky soon. Um, they're recent grandparents, which is so, which is so cool. Anthony and Laura still give to OneChurch.tv. They don't even live here. They still believe in our mission of creating churches for unchurched people love to attend. You and I have the opportunity of people, of reaching people like Anthony and Laura. We have, you and I have the opportunity of reaching people like Jaron and Carrie Pilling. Here's a picture of Jaron and Carrie with Kim and I. I mean, we were in community group together. Uh, they were both in the military here at Fort Campbell. She got out of the military, and they PCS to Washington, D.C. The, the Army gave them like three weeks. They said, by the way, in three weeks, you're going to be up in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, heck up. They had to sell their house or, you know, get it rented. And they still watch us online. By the way, what's up, Jaron and Carrie? So we still text one another almost every month. We have such a great friendship. When they were here, they didn't check out. They stepped up knowing that the now is preparation for the next because they gave a guy by the name of Alex Mullins. Here's Alex, right? By the way, let me tell you a little bit about Alex. He's a Jesus follower. He got baptized here. He was baptized by Ryan Fox. By the way, Ryan and Shelby Fox, they PCS to Lexington, Kentucky. So they were in the, not in the army, but they were in uh, the police force. They were, they were state troopers in Kentucky. But he was, he was baptized by Ryan. And Alex, you probably saw up here because he's the drummer. He drummed for us this morning. And for the past two summers, Alex has given up his vacation to travel to Iowa to play drums with, with the One Church Band for a youth camp where 89 youth have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. Guess what? Anthony and Laura Lalonde are part of Alex's story. Jaron and Carrie Pilling are a part of Alex's story. Let me tell you who else is. Sam and Chris Larson. Here's a picture. Oh, by the way, that's, go back. That's, a, that's a Alex in the band. There he is right here. By the way, that's me. All right, go to him. Here's Chris and Sam Larson. How many of y'all, you, the reason why you showed up to one church is because of Chris and Sam. Let me see your hands. Anyone? These people were beast at, like, inviting people to church. I mean, they were invited, they invited hundreds of people to OneChurch.tv. One of our staff it came to Jesus because Sam Larson inviting them. And, uh, and what's so cool about Sam and Chris, they PCS, they live in Colorado now. He lives in Kansas, she lives in Colorado, and, he, and on the weekends, he, uh, he travels back. Here's some pictures of Sam and just some of the people that she's built relationships with, all right? I mean, there's Heather Harder. By the way, she PCS to South Carolina. Jenna Stafford, she was one of our greeters this morning. 
right? Um, I mean, just people that built relationships. Sam and Chris still give to bold because they want to leave a legacy, a legacy for the next army couple that shows up. For the next person who moves into town is looking for a church who, who don't expect perfection. They still sacrifice because they believe in our mission that everyone should have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. You and I have an opportunity to, people, uh, to reach people like that. You and I have an opportunity to reach people like a Frank and Tita Venditti. Here's Frank and Tina. Frank and Tina. Frank and Tina, um, people called him Frank the Tank, right? Because, uh, man, Frank, he was a huge dude. He was in the Army, and what's, he, they were part of the original 35 people that launched OneChurch.tv. Um, Frank, man, he, he set up, he did the setup and teardown team every day. Um, he also helped out with greeters. And, but he had this, he has these hands that are really small. And when he gripped your hand, you would cry out for your mother. I'm just telling you, you would, right? And Tina, she helped out in preschool all the time until so much, we, we, we started paying Tina. She came on staff. They ended up PCSing from here. They ended up going uh, to Georgia, uh, where they went on staff. She went on staff at North Point Community Church. And then they PCSed from Georgia, and now they're in Florida. By the way, while they were here at OneChurch.tv, their two kids were baptized here. Um, And what's so cool is that they are now going to a church that we're partnering with to create churches that unchurched people love to attend. They built a relationship with this couple. Let me show you. Uh, by the way, that's uh, a Frank the Tank right there. So we can go to the next one. Uh, they built a relationship with this couple. Anybody remember them? Nick and Tracy Belfield. They started showing up when we were at the movie theater. And, man, Nick, he was a recruiter for the Army. Both Nick and Tracy were some of the, I think they were the very first two people that ever got baptized here at OneChurch.tv. Um, in fact, we didn't even baptize them in the big tub that we have now. We had to go to another church to do it because we didn't have the tub yet. Um, he got out of the Army. They moved to New Orleans, and, and now they're back in Kentucky, really nowhere close to us. But Nick and Tracy Belfield, man, they went, they went all in. And, 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 man, it was so amazing. They built a relationship with this, uh, this couple. This is uh, Josh and Brandy. This is Brandy Brandenburg. Brandy Brandenburg, she got baptized here at OneChurch.tv. And Josh and Brandy, Josh is in the military. They PCS from here to Washington State. And now they PCS'd a couple of times since then. But Brandy got her life changed here at OneChurch.tv. She built a relationship with this lady, Heidi Day. Heidi Day, this is us out in front of the movie theater. Right after Brandy was baptized, she had just become a member here of OneChurch.tv. Uh, her and Heidi, um, Heidi now PCS, and they're in Fort Huachuca. I think I have another picture of Heidi. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, uh, there's Heidi and her family. My wife is getting ready to visit her next weekend in Tucson. So cool. But Heidi was a part of OneChurch.tv. And let me tell you a cool thing about Heidi. Heidi invited a, a lady by the name of Fran Dearman. Rob and Fran Dearman started coming to OneChurch.tv. Here's a picture of them. Right? Now, Rob, he flew Apaches. Right? This dude was one of the coolest people. I could, anybody could fly, fly a copter. Some of you, you're pilots. And I just want to go, uh, uh, that's just cool, right? But he flew an Apache. And Fran showed up when we were doing, uh, I was preaching about baptism. She got saved. She got baptized, invited her, her husband to church. Rob showed up. He got saved. And he invited his Apache co-pilot. Here's his name. 
So this is, by the way, this is Rob and Daryl. This is a, a clip from their baptism video. He invited Daryl to church. Here's a picture of Daryl. Daryl was a little crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. Daryl Dicey. What's so cool? Daryl Dicey was baptized by Bob T. Rob was baptized. Fran was baptized. You see over and over and over and over again, you see life change. You and I have the opportunity of reaching people like Al and Shannon Alvarez. Here's a picture of them. And so some of you, you you've done group with Alan Shannon. The, uh, he's, he's, he's military. They PCS to South Carolina. But not until they invited this couple to our church. This is Jeremiah and Kayla. Jeremiah, and, and we, we've been in the same community group. Jeremiah has been over in Dubai recently. He just got back last week. Man, just seeing all of these people. You see, here's what I'm telling you. You can check out. Or you can step up. That you have the ability to make uh, these life-changing differences, not just for an individual, but for entire families and entire generations. Because when lives get changed here at OneChurch.tv, God sends them out. And they go to different places where they help change lives. And it, it, it's just like, it, it just keeps on going and going and going. Let me encourage you over the next three weeks to be fully present. Go all in in the season that we're in. And let me share with you just how close we are. Of taking the land. Last year, we had 73 families commit to give to the mission and the vision of Bold so that we could be able to get a permanent location and so that we could be able to start, start launching churches. Keep on going through this one. All right, you guys pledged $505,000 to the mission and the vision of onechurch.tv through Bold. $505,113.03. All right, keep on going. Now, this is kind of our Bold thermometer. Uh, when we started last Easter, it was empty, right? Because nobody had given yet. But I'm going to just kind of show you kind of how everything just kind of rises. Um, you, you guys started giving. Thank you. And you started, kept on giving. And right now, so far, you guys have given over half of what you pledged. $287,853. Now you're thinking, okay, okay, that's good. That's great. But let me just share with you how close we are for us breaking ground on a facility. Here it is. We are $190,000 away from us breaking ground so that we can have a permanent facility. Now, let me just tell you, some of you, you, some of you don't know how we got the land. About October of 2014, uh, one of our elders, Tim Thompson and I, we saw this auction sign. And one of the things we learned is we, we couldn't afford nothing at exit one, right? The average acre goes for $750,000 here at exit one. By the way, if you have land, please sell it and tithe. Just telling you. Y'all think I'm playing? Anyway, my point is $750,000. And we're like, there's no way we're ever going to be able to afford that. Well, we saw this auction. And uh, we went to the bank, we got letters of confirmation, we figured out, okay, how much, you know, how much we could, like, bid and all this stuff. And we showed it to the auction, and, and Tim says, just to give you a heads up, Chris, don't be discouraged, Tim said, we're probably not going to be, be able to bid on nothing. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. We were such great men of faith, by the way. So we showed up, Tim Thompson, myself, uh, our, our bookkeeper, Sam Larson was there, and uh, we started bidding. No, well, actually, we didn't bid. They started opening up the bids. All right, you know, we got this track of land here. Who wants for $750,000? Going once, going twice, and nobody's bidding. All right, $700,000. $650,000 for an acre. 
500. Oh, not me. Four. Mm-mm. Three. Mm-mm. Two. One. 100,000. All right. I remember looking at Tim. I'm like, I'm going to bid. All right. And I told him that because I, I was getting ready to bid on a piece of property. The elders said yes, but I knew, oh, my gosh, I've never bid that much money on anything, right? So I'm like, yep. All right, what's so cool is we got four tracts of land, 4.86 acres, right by Sonic, right by Sonic. And what's so cool about that, here's what, God gave us that land for 704000 We talked to the bank, and we're like, oh, how soon can we start building? And they said, you ain't got no capital. Well, you're right, we just spent, you know, we just bid on $704,000, we ain't got no money. And we, I, I remember, you know, uh, the, our bookkeeper wrote the check, and I signed a $50,000 check to the bank that day on October of 2014. I was just like, oh my gosh, this just happened, right? Well, over the past year, really 15, 16 months, you guys have paid that $704,000 note to where we only owe $340,000. When I talked to our bank, they said, you know what, when you have that land note paid down to where you only owe $150,000, that's when you have enough capital so that you can turn around and you can start building uh, construction loans. So that means we're only $190,000 away. Now, that's cool. That's really cool. God has done some amazing things. But here's the thing about this. As, as I love this, the reason why I like this is because at the end of Joshua chapter 1, he says strong and courageous three different times. I, I really wanted to be able to go through it, and I just can't. We just don't have enough time. But I want you to read the rest of Joshua chapter 1. And it says this. this I'm going to read this next verse. You can put it up, verse 3. It says this. Where, um, you will be on the land that I have given you. Keep on going. Uh, um, uh, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. I think some of that was cut off. It says this. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you. Now, what's so cool about this is God gives the secret. I mean, he's saying wherever you put your foot, that's where I'm going to give you. Which means if Joshua doesn't put his foot, God's not going to give it. You see, all of us, we have to get up and we have to step up and we have to take a step. And I don't know what that looks like for you. For you, it may have nothing to do with church or bold or any of this. It just may be you're taking a step in faith and saying, okay, today I'm going to commit to start reading my Bible every day so that I can be a better husband. I can be a better dad. Some of you, I'm going I'm to take time where I'm going to say, I'm going to get off at five and I'm going to go home so that I can spend time with my wife and my kids. Or my husband and my kids. I don't know what that looks like for you, but here's what I do know. That God has a next step for you. He does. But in order for you to get what God has promised you, you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to take a step. So what step are you going to take? Are you willing? Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, just that we can look at this story of Joshua and we can just see just how much you've you just come through for a guy who I'm sure you told three times to be strong and courageous. He probably wasn't feeling very strong and very courageous. Lord, I know that we have men and women in here right now who are not feeling very strong and courageous. They're not feeling very bold. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just allow your spirit to come alive in them. That they wouldn't just be settling for bored, 
But Lord, they would go for bold. They would go for bold when it comes to leading their families. They would go for bold when it comes to leading out and understanding and and studying your word. They would go for bold for being the best student that God has called them to be. Lord, that they would go for bold to call you to come into their finances so that they can get their finances in order. Lord, I pray for us as a church that you would not allow us to be boring, but you allow us to be bold because that's what you call us to be. Not to be cowering in fear, but to go and to be able to stand up and take a step and take the land. Because you have given us promises in your word. That if you said, you say, Lord, if you just ask, if you seek, if you knock, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do some amazing things in your life. Some things that you may not like, some things that you are just going to knock your socks off. But in order for that to happen, got to move. You can't stay here. You got to move. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.